my name is Joyce Yen. I'm at the University of Washington in Seattle, and I'm the program research manager for the Advanced Center for Institutional Change. Uh, we're a center that's focused on faculty diversity, particularly women in science and engineering, and we do a lot of work on diversity, inclusion, professional development, and uh, gender diversity and equity in science and engineering. Tell me, what is gender diversity? When we're looking for gender diversity, what, what does that actually mean in practice? Yeah, it's really interesting. In science and engineering, there are a number of fields which um, there's a very low representation of women in those fields. And it's more than just numbers. It's that the women are um, maybe being implicitly or explicitly excluded. They're not um, being attracted to the fields, but they can do really fantastic work in those fields. Um, so some disciplines um, in science and engineering have more women, some have less, but um, overall the fields of science and engineering, we don't have enough women participating and it's a real loss to the fields, it's a loss to creativity and innovation. And uh, we're also um, leaving them out of potentially um, promising, lucrative, rewarding, um, inspiring careers because uh, if we're not welcoming them into these these fields. Over here it's been described as the leaky pipeline, that women get so far and then they can't progress up the leadership pipeline. What role does unconscious bias play in inhibiting women's chances for getting up the leadership pipeline? Yeah, unconscious bias is really interesting because it's something that we um, are often not aware of and that we all fall victim to. We all, both men and women, unconsciously uh, evaluate male candidates better than female candidates in a number of research studies. And so that's what's really um, fascinating to know about that we think we can be uh, unbiased. We think that we are making decisions purely based on merit. But uh, research in diversity science has shown us that perhaps we aren't as even-handed in our evaluation as we might think. So for women in particular and other uh, groups underrepresented in science and engineering, what the research shows us is that they often receive a more negative evaluation and all of those evaluation points along the line, whether it's uh, letters of recommendation or um, looking to hire somebody or evaluating a resume or a CV or a graduate student application or uh, or even a um, uh, application for funding in some sort of way that um, sometimes we value, the unconscious bias research shows us that we value the male candidates better than the female candidates, even when the applications are identical. And that's where we see unconscious bias have an effect. Can you tell us about some of those particular research surveys that you just talked about in your lecture here, about the jury uh, one in particular? Can you tell us what the, did that show? Yeah, so the jury research was really interesting. So the setup is that they um, had jurors of six jurors, and they evaluated the case of a black defendant. And what the jurors did was they watched some video testimony about the case, and then they went and deliberated the case based on that video testimony that they saw. In uh, one case, the jurors were all white jurors, and in the other case, they were four white jurors and two uh, black or African-American jurors. The um, jury deliberations as part of the research study were videotaped and then evaluated. Um, they looked at what kinds of conversations happened. They looked at the interactions. They looked at what was actually discussed. And what they found was that the diverse juries, so the juries that had both uh, white and black um, jurors on them, were much more careful in their deliberations. They discussed facts more. They also corrected misinformation better. They talked about race explicitly. They were slower in their deliberation. They were more thoughtful in deliberation. And they came out with um, 
uh, different kinds of decisions than the all-white jurors. Um, the other really interesting thing about that study is that the the changes that they saw and the kinds of um, deliberations that were happening in the diverse jury were driven almost all by the white jurors. So having diversity present in the room changed the conversations and the kinds of conversations that happened. They also found, um, they also, before they went into deliberation, asked each of the jurors to um, say whether at this point they thought the defendant was guilty or not guilty, and um, the all-white jurors were much more likely to think all guilty or to think guilty than the diverse group of jurors. And again, it's still majority white, but not all white. So that was fascinating results. Now you were talking about the onus on the group of privilege. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by the group of privilege, and you know what is the onus on that group? Yeah, privilege is a very interesting concept. It's also very hard to understand, if uh, because it's you don't even know you have it. It's so um, invisible to, to us in privileged positions, and we all have some sort of privilege. And some of us have fewer forms of privilege than others, but often when we say the word privilege, people think about it being um, economic privilege or financial privilege, purely about money. And the privilege that I'm talking about is really around uh, different identities and privileges that we have. So for example, um, I can go into a room and be pretty sure I'm gonna be sitting across the table from somebody who looks like me when I go to talk to somebody in a position of power. Um, and so privilege is really um, uh, a vehicle by which we can understand how unconscious bias plays out and that groups who belong to privil- members of privileged groups get a, a bonus. They get presumed competent and members of unprivileged groups get presumed incompetent. Um, we don't even know that we're doing it, but that's an example of how we see these differential evaluations of an identical CV or an identical resume, one with a male name, one with a female name, or one with a white name and one with an African-American name. Um, So it's hard for people to understand what privilege is, but I think one of the great ways to think about privilege, an example that I use in my talk that I learned from a colleague, Keisha Thomas, who's at the University of Georgia, she does an exercise where she talks about right-handed privilege. So right-handed privilege is a privilege category where there's not a lot of um, heaviness associated being right-handed versus left-handed. So you can talk about all the ways in our society, at least in the American society, being right-handed is a privilege. So keyboards and can openers and scissors and spiral notebooks and um, driving and um, other sorts of things like that. And then when you have um, people who are left-handed in the audience, they come up with all of these ideas that the right-hand people had no idea that was something, like I never actually thought of that. So um, can openers and power tools was something that's come up from our left-handed participants that I had no idea that those were right-handed privilege because I'm right-handed. It's easy for me to use a can opener, but for a left-handed person, it's not easy to use a can opener, one of those hand-cranked ones. Um, But then when you switch to social identities that have social and historical context, then people sometimes get very defensive about that. So race, gender, um, sexual orientation, ability status, um, first-generation college. um, So then people start to feel like, oh, I don't know about that, but um, it operates, the same mechanisms operate for right-handed privilege versus these other things. We don't see them, but they're there. 
Now you gave an example of where uh, biases could be variable uh, when you you know raised two job examples. One was head of gender studies, mm -hmm. and the other was head of the police. Mm -hmm. um, could you explain a little bit more about that to us, please? Yeah. So this is a this is a study that was really looking at um, the idea of merit. How do we how do we know when somebody is a good candidate? Um, so in this case, they looked at well, let's look at a head of gender studies. Who what's the gender expected? What is the expected gender of the person who's head of gender studies? A woman. Who's the expected, what's the expected gender of the person who's chief of police? Male, uh, a man. And so what they did was they said, let's look at two different candidates, one man, one male, one female, for a job, and uh, we'll vary what kinds of credentials they have. So in one case, somebody has better academic credentials, so they've gone to school for um, these uh, credentials, and another, they have more on-the-job practical credentials, so they were out there doing the day-to-day -day work. Um, so when they varied these different things, so for example, uh, the head of gender studies, the male candidate, let's say, has better academic credentials and weaker practical credentials, and the female candidate has stronger practical credentials and weaker academic credentials. It turns out then that when people evaluate who they think is better for the job, who's got the best credentials for the job. They value the, whatever are the credentials of the female candidate. So in this case, she had more practical credentials. I hope I remember that correctly. But um, so all of a sudden, practical credentials become more important. But if I switched the gender of the applicants and said, now the female had better academic credentials and the male had better practical credentials, now all of a sudden the evaluation is, well, actually we value academic credentials over practical. So it was. The research basically shows that merit is this moving target, and if we don't think about what uh, the evaluation criteria are ahead of time, we get duped into um, rationalizing why we picked one over the other, but really we're picking it based on, without even knowing it, who conforms to our gendered expectation of the person holding that position. And the same thing for the chief of police. Now you're talking about writing letters of recommendation mm -hmm. and the difference between, what was it, agency and what was the other oh, character? The other one was communal characteristics, yeah. What did you mean by that? So communal characteristics are um, characteristics that are things having to do with connecting with people, um, taking care of um, sort of the organization or the people in the organization uh, and just being a kind of a nice, pleasant person to be around. Teaching, yeah, teaching and mentoring and helpfulness and being a team player and things of that sort. Um, and then the um, agency or agentic characteristics were things that really had to do with agency. So having, having drive and having ambition and having um, direction and leadership and um, the letters, turns out letters were different. Um, the characteristics used to describe male and female candidates were different. You could probably guess what the difference is. If the female letters had more communal words and the letters for the male candidates had more agentic words and that um, letters that had more communal, communal characteristics were negatively correlated with being selected for the position. There's another letter study that talks about um, the, the words and descriptions that are used. And, and in both cases, the interesting thing is that both men and women um, write these letters <laughs> following this pattern. Um, so we all do it. What was your advice to the academics here in Trinity today? Oh, so um, it's particularly around letters of recommendation. I think it's really important to know this research and then go back and look at the letters that we write for our students and make sure that we're not falling into those traps. Of course, it's really important to be a good teacher and to, you know, to 
to take be an active mentor and to be kind and who doesn't want a team player on their team but if you're only saying those things about your uh uh, female um, candidates and you're not and you're not saying what a brilliant scientist they are what kind of cutting-edge research they're doing how they're going to change the world because of the work that they're doing then um, you're doing them a disservice of course we, we want to be honest in our letters so I'm not saying write something that is uh, uh, extra flowery about their qualifications but just make sure that you're not only talking about one set of characteristics for your female students and a different set of characteristics for your male students one of the most interesting uh, slides you showed was a bingo card, particularly all the guys suddenly sat up. <laughs> yeah. Tell us what's on that bingo card and what does it do? Yeah, so this bingo card was recently created by um, a group that was looking at um, how to be an ally to women in um, technology. And so this group uh, created a bingo card and they call it Male Allies Bingo. And what they did in each bingo square, they wrote down an idea for how men can be allies to women in technology. So some could be like, request the data from your institution about women's representation in, in the technology fields, for example. Or one could be, read some of the literature on um, gender diversity so that you can be um, equipped with that kind of information when you're talking to your colleagues. Or, um, you know, I nominate women for um, talks on technology because I know some great women and other people aren't nominating enough women. So there's a whole series of these. And so what I had um, suggested to the audience today is that see if you could challenge yourself to make a bingo card for yourself. How can you be an ally? And you can do that on a variety of different dimensions. It doesn't just have to be gender. It could be about race and ethnicity or ability status or um, uh, uh, same-sex partners or um, a whole bunch of different ways but um, and if you can't make a bingo card because that's too many squares make a tic-tac-toe board whatever just try to think actively how you can be an ally I think you were very honest talking about it uh, an example of unconscious bias you had uh, what would you mind telling, the, telling oh, us about yeah. your late fathers? Yeah, sure. Um, so the work that I do is all focused on advancing gender equity and supporting women, faculty, and science and engineering. And so this is work that I've been doing for over 10 years. And um, in the middle of my time doing this work, um, my father passed away. And I went back to my hometown and helped my mother with some things in his office. He was a, a, a research scientist um, for the de US Department, uh, Department of Agriculture. and a person came by his office to offer her condolences and you know thank you very much and then I was driving home with my mother and my mother turned to me and said oh by the way did you know that that person who stopped by was one of your dad's research colleagues and I froze inside and I thought oh my gosh I honestly did not think anything in particular about her but then my mother revealing to me that she was a scientist colleague brought to light that I was surprised that she was a scientist colleague, which meant that I didn't think of her as a scientist when I saw her. I must have thought she was something else. And that's what I do is I advance women scientists and PhD level scientists, which she is. And somehow I did not make that association. So um, the lesson for me is that um, it can happen Anytime, no matter what kind of work we do, we can still uh, have these unconscious associations where we um, don't associate women with science and engineering or um, other groups that are underrepresented in science and engineering with those fields, even though consciously that's all that I think about. So we should always be on our guard. We should all be on our guard, absolutely. absolutely. Joyce, thank you very much for the interview. You're very kind. Oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.